and do not reflect those of the Evening Rush Network. Viewer's discretion is advised. Yeah, you know what it is, we the head honchos. The number one pockets of rails and black hole. We hitting hard, we got the balls, we at the top, whoa. You tune in every Monday at night for your favorite show. The realization now, yeah, you know what we be on. My interview, your favorite artist, play your favorite song. Reporting live from NY, we up in every borough. Not to mention we worldwide, got the game in the toko. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Rails. Oh, sorry, I'm oh boy of the Relaxation Hour podcast. I am your host, Rails, once again, joined by my partner in crime. Blacko, what's going on, brother? Yo, yo, what's going on, my brother? What's going on? How's everything? I can't complain. I can't complain. Uh, still getting used to this whole name change thing, as you can see. It seems easy. It's easy. Me, it, it, ain't, it don't take that much, right? It don't. It, it says it right in your background. Wow. Uh, apparently, it says it right in your background now, too. I'm proud of you, man. Yeah, I know. I had to fix it up. You know, <laughs> I had to figure it out myself. You know, I had to, I got it. But you figured it out yourself? Yeah, real quick. One, two, three. Well, so, so I didn't. You, so you did all that by yourself? It's my first time talking to you for the day. I don't know so much. Wow. You started off. Oh, okay. All right. This must be April. Starting off line already. Cool, oh. son. <laughs> nah, but what's going on, though? How was your day, though? Uh, long, man. Still tired. Um, I seen your post on the IG and Facebook, like, the hour back got me super tired. It felt like they took three hours from us instead of one. Like, I'm just trying to get afloat, man. Like, I need some sleep tonight. Your body catching up. Like, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all, if most of y'all don't know me, y'all know me through this. I'm a heavy tea drinker, so I find all types of teas that mellow me out. Everything like right now, I got my good old cup of tea. It's called Nightly Calm. Check it out for all the people that can't have trouble sleep at night. Have that tea, one or two bags. One one bag have you calm. Two bags will put you out. And right now, I got two bags in my cup because I'm tired. I need some sleep. Is that is that serious, huh? Yeah, bro. You know, like listen. For us being in the gym, putting in the work we putting in, like that's a plus. Like we we've been going in. Um, also, it's just you know all the running around, man. Like gotta make sure I'm good, my son good, household's good. So it happens, man. And just the lack of sleep, you know, that's one of the main important things we missing from um from the workouts. Yeah, that's it. it's yeah. my lack of sleep. Bro, once you get that down, everything else will fall right into place. But, um, you know, I went to the gym today, you know, to speak real quick before we bring our guests in. Yeah, I went to the gym today, typical Monday, packed, even though it was early. Yeah. But, you know, I got a nice little hour and a half workout in. It felt good. So it actually feels good to be back in the gym. So Tomorrow. Tomorrow it is. Yes, sir. Are you going to flake? No, no. Really? 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 They, listen, man. The only way I'd flake is if I go early and I'm not flaking. So we good. All right, that's all I like to hear, man. We good. But before we get into our guests, let's get the sponsors out the way. Shout-outs to Bobby D Customs. Um, Make sure you hit that guy up on IG. He's putting out new things every day. Shout-outs to 2920 Clothing, as you can see. Definitely. Yep, as you can see, make sure you get um, hit hit us up. You need anything, hit me up, hit Blacko up. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll take care of you guys. So, um, yeah, we're about to bring in our guests for the night. Yeah, no, yeah, she's she's a special guest at that. Yeah, not a special guest because she's on the show. She's a special guest because, you know, she's her resume is serious. Let's just get it like that. Like her resume is serious, man. Yes, absolutely. Um, she is. Uh, I she's a television icon. She's an she's the icon in music and everything. Hey, babe, what's up? She's like it's just no way to just describe her resume. Um, and we'll be able to get into it as we interview her. Um, our biggest guest up to date. So, um, 
Don, you can bring it in when you're ready. I think you got my co-host starstruck right now. He's just oh, tap goodness. in starstruck. And, I, and I'm going to tell her why later on. <laughs> oh, oh, oh uh, she is. She's an actress. She's a singer, an award winner. Um, ladies and gentlemen, our biggest guest up to date, Dr. Don Lewis. How are you doing today? Oh, Wild. Ah. <laughs> no, I'm fantastic. It's nice to meet you guys. Thank no, you. Thank, thank you for you. having me on. No, thank you for being our guest. We greatly appreciate it. Nice to my meet pleasure. you too. For somebody I've been watching on my television screen for quite some time. Thank you. Quite some time. I finally get to actually speak to you. If that's yes, that's thank you. That's all I can say. I, thank you. I sincerely appreciate that. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, so let's let's start. Uh, uh, started off um, born and raised in Brooklyn, huh? That's right, Best Eye. Oh, great, great place, huh? Best <laughs> Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, you gotta understand. Like we 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 have a little like a little inside joke with people from Brooklyn all the time. So and what definitely... is that joke? What is what? Tell me, share. Uh, yeah. <sighs> no, no, share. It's, we have a Bronx just, and Brooklyn rivalry. Yes, where we I, try to, you know, you got people from Brooklyn who feels right. The Bronx is worse, and uh -huh. you have us and the rest of the Bronx feel Brooklyn's worse. For what so, reason? Like as far as economically Phil, speaking, Phil, as far as Phil, Phil, Phil. I think <laughs> Brooklyn and the Bronx both got the dibs on dirty. That's what I think. Well, you know what? You Both just shut that whole conversation down. I just Brooklyn. There you go. You just—it's not it. like you're a winner if you're less dirty than the other borough. We both dirty, so <laughs> I don't know, you know if what? you're really a winner. You know what? Because it's you, I accept that. This was tonight. I'm gonna be honest with you. That's, that's probably about the best answer we've ever got in the Brooklyn Bronx. There's no real winner when it comes to well, I'm not as dirty as you dirty. It's like it's, it's yeah. <laughs> We both got issues. We definitely do. But we are proof to the story that where you are doesn't determine who you are. So there you go. Absolutely. I don't know if you've been to Brooklyn lately. Some people saw <laughs> the Brooklyn life. But you know, know what? It only takes a few of us to make it out and set a better example of Very this true. is what it could be. So that's, that's who I'm believing we are until you make it clear to me that that's not who you are. So. Nope, nah. Not gonna happen, right? Okay, nah. Come on, with nah, it. nah, nah, <laughs> nah. I, I can't. I'm from the Bronx, but and I represent the Bronx the way I go. But I ain't the Bronx. I ain't been, I ain't this new Bronx right now. How about that? I ain't the new Bronx. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, I love it. So, what are we so, gonna talk about tonight, gentlemen? Uh, we're gonna talk about a little bit of everything. Um, okay. First of all, how did you get into? How did you get into acting? Uh, I actually got into singing and dancing first. Uh, I am one of four. I have three brothers, the only girl. My family's okay. from South America, Guyana, South America. And my parents immigrated here because my dad joined the U.S. Army and then sponsored my, my mom to come up. And that's how they got their citizenship. And then slowly my mom sponsored her siblings. She's the eldest of eight and her parents to come on up. So myself and my brothers were the first born in this country. Uh, I come from a family of teachers, nurses, city workers, civil workers. Uh, so my wanting to sing and dance really did not fit the mold of what is expected, especially of a little Guyanese child girl. No, you must grow up and be somebody's wife or mother and thing and be a nice nurse or be a nice teacher. And that's beautiful. And that's wonderful. We absolutely need our nurses. We need our teachers. My mom, uh, being this little fast girl growing up in Brooklyn, um, I couldn't go anywhere unless my brothers took me. Uh, so that was a blessing and a curse because I was seven and tall for my age, seven looking like I was 11 in the middle of like nine, 10 boys because they were all my brother's friends. Those were my friends. And my mom decided this is not going to end well if I don't find someplace else for her to be. <laughs> so her in the middle of all these boys is not a good look. So she started me in dance class. But before that, I was singing, singing along with old movies, with musical movies, singing and dancing, watching the television. Uh, so my mom saw that that was not something that I enjoyed. So she enrolled me in dance class. 
Um, and then I started acting at about 11. So I was a tomboy that could act and dance really well. And uh, just, it went from there. I started writing poetry, started composing music. I uh, had some of my poems included in a compilation of young and up and coming writers by the time I was 15. Uh, by the time I was nine, I was dancing on the stage of Carnegie Hall and Brooklyn Academy of Music. So nice. I was a professional dancer most of my life, a singer most of my life, thought I was gonna be a recording artist. I had a record out, it was charting on Billboard. I'd won the Apollo and been singing all around the city. I was lead singer in a band at the time I was 14. Uh, and started adding acting along the way. And uh, that's what I decided I wanted to do when I was I was pretty, pretty young. So one opportunity after the next, that was what my trajectory was. That's the journey God blessed me with. And I'm just grateful for the support that my family gave me, even though they didn't understand it. Okay. Um, so with all that, you know, your credentials, as you just said, um, how did you get... How do you get yourself positioned into um, the Tap Dance Kids National Tour? <laughs> Going to every audition, just like every other actor in New York City. Uh, you're supposed to have an agent. Well, they prefer you to have an agent. But in New York at the time, that was a time where you could say, walk up to the door and knock on the door and say, I've got talent. Let me in. And they would let you in. You would come in on the non-union calls. First, they would see all the union actors and I wasn't mm -hmm. in the union. I was hoofing and doing my best to get in the union. And uh, I was doing an off-Broadway show at the time. And the choreographer of that show said, you need to go and audition for this Broadway company because that's where you belong. You don't belong in this show. And um, she encouraged me to go. So I walked up with my dance bag, my sheet music, and walked up into the audition. And uh, got myself an audition, sang and danced my way into a principal role and ended up sharing a stage with Harold Nicholas of the Nicholas Brothers, Hinton nice. Battle, multi-Tony winner, Ben Harney, who had just been nominated for Tony for starring as the original Curtis in Dreamgirls, Monica Page, Martine Allard, who was nominated for a Tony on Broadway for the Tap Dance Kid, and got to meet this young man who, uh, you know, got a little bit of talent. And as, as he's grown up, you know, he's got a little bit of talent. Mr. Dulé Hill was our kid at 10 years old. So he plays now the father on The Wonder Years, on the reboot. He was the co-star of Sight. You saw him on The West Wing. Uh, he's been on Broadway himself again several times. So that's my little, little brother. So that was my Broadway journey to the Tap Tap Dance Kid. Now I definitely became a fan of Dulé, you know, after watching Psych mm -hmm. with the whole yeah. joke and stuff. Then when I started watching, <laughs> I started watching him on Bowlers. I was like, man, this guy switched it up from mm -hmm. being a jokester on the show to this guy That's is right. dead serious. They don't, they don't crack no jokes. It's just straight face and go. Uh -uh. Nope. Nope. So uh, that's, it's been a really exciting, really fulfilling journey for all of us. So I have a question. Um, what is is there? What is the biggest difference between acting on television and acting on Broadway, like doing a play? Uh, television, you get to stop and start. You do it in bits and pieces. Um, the reality of film and television is that the mechanism does a lot of work for you. You know, the cameras zoom in, get close up, zoom out. They create tension, the lighting, the special effects. Um, all of that makes a difference. The way it's edited together can make uh, a mediocre performance look amazing and you know, cut away from you to some other actor, which again, makes it look amazing. Uh, when you're on stage, it's just you. It's you and what you can or cannot bring to the table. And the audience is right there to let you know whether or not you hit it or missed it. There's no going back and getting it. Uh, anything can happen on stage, people forgetting lines, everything from scenery pieces falling happens and so okay what what do you do the orchestra there's no sound there's no audio i was just doing tina the tina turner musical on broadway and there were some nights where for whatever reason at the mixer board the band didn't come up so we're on stage we can hear the band playing behind us but the audience doesn't hear the band so to them it sounds like we're singing acapella mics go out battery packs die and you know a couple of nights one of the performers fell through the stage. Wow. 
Wow. You know, when the set pieces are moving, you stepped in the wrong place a little too close and there you went through the on the stage. Yeah, it happens. Or you're you lose your voice halfway through the show and you run off stage and someone else runs on in your costume and keeps the show going. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be ready. You have to you have to be on it. It's a very different muscle. And Broadway is not one time, one original performance. It's one original performance, eight shows a week. So even though you've done it before, this audience hasn't seen it before. So somehow you have to make it fresh and make make it new in you so it doesn't come across as false or robotic or boring. You have to bring that same brand new energy each time, eight shows a week. And that's not always easy to do. It's not for the faint of heart, not at all. And And that transition, you know, like you said, the whole Broadway. First, I have one one question before I get to my question, my other question. Um, okay. Well, yeah, when, when y'all say Broadway, do y'all mean New York City Broadway or California Los Angeles Broadway? Because I never understood that. There's you only know? one Broadway. Broadway is okay. a street in New York City, Midtown okay. Manhattan. Now, I have to make sure. But, but the thing is, once a show lands on Broadway, and the show either closes or now makes its extensions, they have what is called Broadway National Tours. So that means that that production or version of that production now goes across the country, okay? And that's the Broadway national tour. Once the national tour is done, you can have other companies say, well, in our community theater, we wanna do Tina. And okay. it's, a, it's a local theater putting on that production. So it's not the Broadway tour, but there's only one Broadway. And what challenge, my, now my original question, what challenged you more? Like my co-host asked you, you know, with the TV and the state and um, stage presence, do you feel like being on stage challenged you more because in your mind, you don't want to mess up? Because like you just said, it's mainly one take and go. You know, it's it's it, it requires different muscles. Okay. You know, it, it requires different muscles. Being on film and television requires you to have an understanding how the camera works, how lighting works, how sound works. Sometimes what, what you think you're doing isn't what comes across on camera. And it's the same thing with voiceovers. I do a lot of animation where all you get is, is my voice. So somehow my voice has to capture fear, love, hate. Uh, it's me, I'm older, I'm younger, I'm male, I'm female. I'm a human being, I'm an alien. All of those, it, it all requires different muscles. And uh, honestly, a live performance naturally is more physically taxing. And that's whether Broadway or a dance concert or you're in concert, you know, singing because your voice is your instrument and you have a cold, you have a sore throat, it happens. You know, you're physically tired. You've been flying all night. You just did a concert in New York and now you're in Dallas. And you know, all of those kinds of things, it all takes a toll when you have to perform live. When what it is, is what it is. Uh, but the muscles and the skill set to successfully do film and television, that's a whole other set of muscles that presents its own challenges. And people who do it well, make it look easy. And it's anything but easy. Because a lot of the greats came from stage play, like yourself, mm-hmm. like Denzel Washington. Yes. You know, you, you still have guys like even Samuel Jackson, who does both, who go from movies, who go back to the stage. Mm-hmm. He just did something recently. I forgot the name of it. And it's like, I asked myself, like. He just did the, the piano lesson. Oh, that, yes, that's what it was. On and I asked level, myself, okay. I'm like, how do they prepare themselves? I know it's one shot. You know, they're great. They're used to doing this on in front of the camera. But mm-hmm. in front of people, live people, like how do they mentally prepare themselves? Like, you know, all y'all nervous still, even after all these years? You know, it depends. What makes me nervous is when I'm not sure of what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. And so I rarely go on stage not sure of what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> if nothing else, I will not be the weak link. And that just means understanding not just what you have to say or where you have to stand or what the dance moves are, but what is your lane in the telling of this story? Because everybody's got a lane and you're either the funny one, the serious one, the setup one, the emotional one, the, the conquering one, the, the weaker one, you know, understand. So not everybody has the lead role, but it takes every role to make the production successful because your eye always gets pulled to the one person who's messing up or the one person who's not 
pulling their share on the um, stage. Do you know what I mean? So once you understand your role, then you you sit in that groove and you deliver, whether it's the punchlines or the setups or the, you know, the physicality, the fight scene, whatever it is, be clear on what your role is and get in that pocket and, and do it. And the people who understand that and the value and the importance of that, those are the ones who you see shine on on stage. That was that's great advice too. Um, what would you give? Matter of fact, yeah, what would you give advice to someone who would want to start acting or um, who wants to start singing? Um, I say go ahead and sing. You want to act, act. You want to sing, sing. Uh, but if you want to make this your livelihood, I suggest you take a real long, hard look at the business end of show business. Uh, anyone that I mentor, anyone that comes to any of my workshops, that's one of the first things that I try to impress on anyone who wants to launch into this endeavor is that the word business is literally and figuratively twice as long as the word show. So if you're all caught up in the show and who knows your name and being a celebrity and being popular, but don't handle your business, this industry will eat you up and spit you out in no time. And you will blame the industry. You will blame everybody else. You will get frustrated. Um, you will be intimidated. You will start second guessing yourself. Um, you know, all kinds of things can cause you to do some really destructive behavior if you don't pay attention to the business. Uh, so most people, I say, if you can think of anything else you want to do, I suggest you go ahead and do it. Because this gig is not for the faint of heart. It's not. You hear no 95% of the time. But it's those 5% of yes that make all the difference in your trajectory, whether you move forward, whether you move horizontally, or whether it's back and forth, back and forth. And those kind of roller coasters can really wear you out mentally, emotionally, financially. Spirit, spiritually, you know, all of your, your relationships, if your relationships, if all of that rides on whether you're high or low or whatever, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy making. So I would say assess your personality, assess your character before you assess your, your talent to know whether or not this is something that you can really jump into and hopefully sustain and make a living at. And if after all of that, you still say, you know what? Yeah, I think I have the temperament then you need, need to go ahead and study. Don't ask for hookups. Don't tell me how easy it looks. Oh yeah, I can do that. I can sing. You just sang 30 seconds on TikTok. That's it. I <laughs> need you, you, to, I you, need you that, to sing for three hours, eight shows a week, then come woo, and see me. Did <laughs> you think that's why the business is so different now, especially like you said, um, the industry, whether it's like, you know, I call it Black Hollywood. It's not necessarily Black, but I call it Black Hollywood, a.k.a. Underground Hollywood, because you have so many independent directors, writers, and stuff now, more than you had back in the day, because you had a lot of people who felt, at the time, even still to this time, who felt they couldn't make it in Hollywood, or they wasn't given the chance to after a couple mm -hmm. of auditions. So they took it upon themselves to go in the, go the independent route. And you think, uh -huh. and, me, and I ask this, because now, like I said, we talk to somebody who's a real, who's been there, you know, done that and still going. Do you think that's the best route to take to get your work out there and still build your character up to maybe you can still get into the big leagues? Well, I, I think there are, I don't think there are necessarily more writers, more producers, more directors. What I believe is that we have more opportunities. We have okay. more platforms in which to be seen. Uh, we have always, as a people, been insanely creative. We've been innovators as far as rhythm, you know, music, art, dance, war, the way that we dress, art, art forms, uh, athletes. It's a matter of being given the opportunity to be dis displayed and to earn a living at it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely in so many different areas, they let one or two of us in and we're hailed as the, you know, exception. And we are the, oh my gosh, this person who knew that, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could jump so high and Bill Russell could score so many points. And then you turn around and instead of one or two people in the NBA, 90% of the NBA is African-American, you know, all of those mm -hmm. things. Uh, so it's about opportunity as much as it is about 
ability and we have more opportunities instead of just the three networks, you know, decades ago, ABC, mm -hmm. NBC, CBS, then you get the affiliates, Fox, the CW, et cetera. And then internet comes along and now you've got all these streaming platforms and now people are figuring out on YouTube, you know what, I can create my own show and yes. put videos out, put music out, all of those things. But at the end of the day, again, for me, it's about the business. I love doing what I do. I, I will be creative until the day I can't breathe anymore. But rent is real. Putting gas <laughs> in my car is real. Having a sandwich every now and then is real. You know what I mean? Yes. So you can't just keep giving stuff away in the hope of people will see me. I've got 7 million friends. You don't have 7 million friends. You got people who click in and forwarding and swiping and those aren't friends. And I dare you to ask those 7 million people to pay $8 to now start watching your con con content. Mm -hmm. How many of those go somewhere else? Mm -hmm. So you're giving away everything that you have for free and everybody's making money except you. The advertisers on that platform are making money. The people who are now monetizing those platforms and using your site to sell whatever product they're selling is making money. The networks or the platforms that do have the money to produce content, see what you just did and took your idea and now are manifesting it on their platform where they will now make tons of money and you get no credit and you get no you know produce from it so again it's about handling your business so right now it's all about how do we get laws and legislature to keep up with technology so that yes. people can really more successfully monetize what they create and put out on the internet um because so much of it is so amazing there are so many insanely talented people that you see pop up just little snippets of who they are on the in internet. It would be lovely if everybody that was there got what they deserve in order to earn a living to do what it is that that they do. Do you look for local talent yourself? You know, because like you said, you're a mentor and you mm -hmm. you have people out here that look up to you and I hope you do know that. So well, do you yourself like check out all the snippets on the YouTubes, the TikToks? And not everything? necessarily, I'm not gonna lie. That's like a full-time job. I will turn around and get on Instagram or whatever. I'll say, wait, three hours did not just pass with me sitting still and, and looking at other people living life or taking pictures of their food or taking pictures of themselves or this outfit or whatever. So much time goes by. I, I'm more invested in living life rather than typing about it. I'm the person that goes to a concert and actually watches the concert and get annoyed when the person in front of me has their phone up the whole concert and I'm looking at the back of somebody's phone for the <laughs> for the concert. It's like, I don't believe you just paid all the money you just paid to be here and you're not interested in actually being here. And what can you possibly do with all of this footage on your phone now? All of these pictures on your, on your phone now, I, okay. Or you're typing to people, look at where I am and you're watching your phone to see who responds. Oh girl, you at that concert, you at the, and then you spend the, seriously? But anyway, that's that's just me. Um, so <laughs> I do participate in social media, but I really do budget my time with it. So uh, every now and then, well, not every now and then, more than that. But yes, I see some of the stuff that's out there. But no, I cannot claim that I see and I'm actively looking to see what else is out there because I'm really invested in expressing myself. I got a um, comment. Um, Sean in the comments asks, where's your workshop located? Where's my workshop located? Well, the workshops that I do as far as the arts are concerned, I'm, I'm hired and brought around to everywhere. There's not one stationary workshop that I do. Uh, if you're at a university, um, if you're at Howard, if you're at Texas A&M, wherever you are, and your theater arts department or your, your provost or your student body, your student union, whomever uh, wants to do a concert event, wants to bring me in to do a workshop or a master class or a talk back or some, something, that school then contacts the office and they bring me, they bring me in. And, or it's a corporation 
that wants me to be a keynote speaker for an event uh, or an organization that wants me to come in and talk to their em employees about empowerment or you know all those kinds of things. That's how those kinds of workshops happen. Uh, but I also have a nonprofit organization called the A New Day Found, Found, Foundation, mm -hmm. and that goes where I go. Uh, so while I was in New York doing Broadway, we were doing workshops and mentorship programs, mainly at schools. I do what I can to speak to and encourage and empower young pe people because I know what it meant to me to have those people speak in into my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, um, um... And to your point, Blacko, I know that folk look up to me and it's it's humbling and I take it seriously. And I'm the first one to tell you, I didn't get where I am by myself and I'm not where I am by myself. And um, I wish I had more people that would have taken the time to see me and speak into me, you know, and coming from where we come from, we all know that doesn't happen very often. So my, uh, my found, found foundation, we do programs for teen boys. It's called Mentors. And it's M-E-N, capital T-O-R-S, which stands for Men Talking of Relevant Situations. And mm -hmm. uh, for girls, it's called Sisters Hangout. And those groups are ages 13 to 19. And we create, we call them experiences that expose them to cultural and career opportunities that they don't commonly have access to, or oftentimes don't even know that those things exist as careers. You know, we took a group of kids into the recording studio and show them how to make their own animation video game projects. We put wow. them on the mic, taught them how to do their voices to create characters. We put another group uh, on the engineer board and he taught them how to set up and use mics and EQ mics and work the sound soundboard. Another group went with the director and she was teaching them how to break down a script and direct us in the booth. And so every hour, each group rotated. So by the end of the day, everybody got to do something else. And then we feed them. And then we have what's called a safe space conversation where we open up the floor for the kids to candidly talk about what's going on in their lives. And uh, invariably, they learn they're not the only ones going through what they're going through. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah. there's a system and they're not by themselves and they can reach out, they can ask for help. They don't have to be embarrassed about what their reality is. And it's just us and the kids and what's said in the room stays in the room. There's no parents. So the kids feel empowered to be, you know, transparent about what's going on. It usually ends up with a lot of crime, <laughs> boys and girls, a you lot send, of crime. You can send them to us, we'll talk to them. We talk to okay. the kids. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> because the program goes where I go. So yeah, we've done programs here, LA, I'm sorry, here, Texas, New York, Florida, as far away as Canada, India, South America, where my family is from. We just um, worked with a school down in Costa Rica. So, um, and then the advent of the internet, we can be in one place and reach anybody who wants to, you know, click click on. Yeah, because um, it's important that you say that because, um, you know, before we go to break, I just want to say something real quick. But, you know, me and, me and Black Oak have previous episodes where we've talked about, like, ways of how we can help the youth out. And um, what you said mm -hmm. right there is just perfect examples of what you do right there. It's, it's, it's a perfect example of taking kids and showing them that there's different things outside of where they're from and showing mm -hmm. them that they can actually achieve what they wanted to achieve in life without feeling like, you know, they can get made fun of or wanting to be aspired to be bigger or do bigger things. So right. what you said was very important. And I hope that if there were kids listening right now, that they understand that, you know, there's a way out and you just, there's just a way here. Simply put, it's just a way out. Way. And usually it starts with what interests you. How many of us watch cartoons and not put two and two together? Wait a minute. This is somebody's job. You know, I'm sitting there doodling in the margins in my notebook or my textbook. Wait a minute. You mean animation? I can get paid for doing this. I can get paid for making different sounds with my voice. I can get paid, you know what I mean? I want to scratch records. I want to mix. I want to do things. Wait a minute. That's like an engineered job. That's what the editor is when I'm watching the Oscars. That's what he does. Oh, that's a career? Who knew? Who knew? These poets, these rhymes, these, you know, verses that I'm that I'm spitting. I could be a screenwriter. I could write the next Black Panther movie. You know, and you introduce them and say, it starts with what moves you, what excites you. Is it the stars? 
Do you want to be an astrophysicist? Do you want to figure out how to save the planet? Do you want to discover a new kind of currency, cryptocurrency? Somebody thought of that. Somebody developed that. Somebody developed banking systems. Somebody developed texting. Come on. What do you enjoy doing? Let's figure out how to turn that into a career opportunity for you. That's what I enjoy do. doing this. I actually do. Absolutely. There you go. I actually, I, I enjoy doing this. <laughs> there you go. And here you are. You started your own show. Yeah. Your own channel. Yeah. And you do it at a level that people like me and then some want to come and hang out with you. Come on, man. We definitely appreciate that. Come That's on, great. listen. Bring them all. You can come, come, hang out. Come, come hang out with us. Any, come hang out for any time <laughs> you want to. Any time. Right. So we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back with Dr. Don Lewis. We have more questions. So if you're looking to get a podcast on the Evening Rush Network, and you're not sure, this is how you do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's your girl, Chrissy, here to let you know that the Even Rush Network now has an app. Yes, an app, you guys. So you can stay connected on the go and watch all your favorite podcast shows. You can download the app at Google Play Store or Apple iTunes. So spread the word. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, if you're looking to start a podcast and really don't know how, well, hit us up at the Even Rush Network at gmail.com and inquire about time stops, pricings, and everything you may need to get started. We got you. Join the winning team, the Even Rush Network. And also, download that app. What are you waiting for? <laughs> get to it. We're back with Dr. Don Lewis. Uh, if you missed the first half an hour, I suggest you guys go back when the show is over and go listen because she dropped a lot of insight and a lot of jewels. Um, so Don has a question too. He says, who do you recommend as a good acting coach? I have no idea because I don't know where you are. <laughs> I don't know uh, where you are. I don't know. Uh, he's from Brooklyn. Oh, he's in Brooklyn. Okay. I mean, still. I'm I think that's a general question. Now. Huh? Yeah, that's a general yeah, question. Yeah. I think so. It's too. a general question. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there are different schools that have different reputations. I say do your homework and see what school uh, other successful performers in New York have gone to, gone to and check them out and see what if there, there's a fee involved, see if they are connected to the union at all, because there's a lot of services if you're an up and coming actor. Uh, there's a thing called the union, the actor's union. For theater mm -hmm. and live performance, it's actor's equity. If you want to do film and television, it's called SAG Screen Actors Guild or AFTRA, but it's now joined together. It's SAG-AFTRA. So there are mm -hmm. certain jobs, like when you see professional movies and TV shows and commercials, more often than not, all of those are union projects which come with different perks and responsibilities about how you get paid, your work environment, et cetera. And then there are also non-union jobs, which don't necessarily have, pardon me, as many or any of the same protections for you as a performer. Um, so through those unions, they also recommend acting schools, agencies, managers also, and you can see who has worked with whom and who can offer you what it is you feel you're prepared for to start, to start working. So there are acting coaches in every city across the country. If somebody tells you, okay, somebody, you say, I need an agent. I want a manager. Anybody who tells you you have to pay them for them to represent you, run in the opposite direction. They get paid. Ultimately, an agent or a manager works for you. 
you pay them once you get paid. You don't pay them to go work for you. Once they demonstrate and help you book work, they then take a percentage of that work. And traditionally, that's 10%. Mm. So anybody who tells you, yeah, we'll represent you, send us $300 and you can come be one of our clients. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Run the other way. A lot of folk get taken like that. And it's unfortunate that there are folk out there who, you know, they got to hustle. They got to hustle for everything. But yes, it's, a, it's definitely a lot of um, people out there, a lot of scammers out there uh -huh. that will that will tell you, hey, pay me for this and come do that. Right. But, you know. And you That's... can be in my movie. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I pay you to be in your Okay. I pay you to come and work for you. Okay. Yeah. No. So I have a question for you. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I have, well, I'm this is my it's one of my questions. I, I'm letting my co-host handle another one. Mm -hmm. Um you got it, you say voice acting. You say you definitely got into voice acting. Mm -hmm. Now, you actually voice acted two video games that is my one of my personal favorites. And and that's the Marvel Alliance games, mm -hmm. one and two. Now I played them games back and forth when they was out. Everything, and I always I watched the end credits and I seen the name there. I never knew it was you. You thought it was some other Don Lewis. I, I'm like, you know, the name that's a common name. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and I never knew it was you. And you voice Storm, a key character everyone knows. Yeah. How did you get into that? Uh. Let's see. Um, when I was in New York, I was singing and recording jingles and doing session work as a singer. When I started doing A Different World, um, there were different people that wanted to work with me with different projects. The show was one of the hottest shows on television at, at, at the time. So I got approached, Suzanne DePass, who used to be one of the executives at Motown Records and is credited with discovering the Jackson 5, et cetera, et cetera. Suzanne was going into management. So she had approached me about managing me and she was approached about producing a new cartoon series. So mm -hmm. I guess one of the ways for us to start working together was Dawn, would you be interested in coming to do this? And I told her, well, I've never done that before. I've done jingles, I've done commercials, but I've never done cartoon animation. She said, well, come yeah. on in, we'll give it a shot and we'll see how it goes. The cartoon was the kid and play cartoon. And I played one of the girls in Kid and Plays, you know, little group Lila. and um, click. Lila, exactly. So I'd never done it before. So I was like, okay, she's from the hood. She's from Brooklyn. I was like, okay, I can do that. So I started imitating my niece. And my niece talked just like this. Mm -hmm. Kid, what are you talking about? Why are we going to go and do that? That ain't no fun. Come on. <laughs> and so the director said, wait a minute, who is this girl? How come I've never seen her before? And the reality of the voiceover community is um, it's a very tight-knit community because directors and producers, they want people who can come in and deliver. And me walking in and I'm starting to speak with you and I sound like this and then I come up with a character that sounds like that. They say, okay, well, can you do any other voices? And you just start throwing out whatever is in your arsenal. And next thing you know, uh, they're spreading your name to the next person. I said, you need another African, because there aren't, there, when I came in, there weren't very many. Cree Summer, who was also in a different world. She's been doing anime, you know, voiceover and cartoons and commercials forever. So I'd never met a black person who had done that before working with Cree. So once okay. the opportunity came to me, and then from there to the next, to the next, to the next. So grace of God, it's been what, 33 years now of animation playing little boys old women uh, monsters aliens now i do voices i think on about a dozen different shows now everything from star trek lower decks is captain carol freeman only the second african-american female captain in the star trek franchise and there's only three of us Ooh. total I do Ludacris's cartoon, Karma's World, where I play Mrs. Washington, a seasoned citizen. Um, I've been doing The Simpsons for like the last nine, 10 years, Futurama. Futurama, yes. There's a list and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very, very grateful. That's how it started though. 
And the ludicrous thing with his daughter, because that's blowing up too. A lot of people don't know yes. about that. Like they hear the name Karma Bridges, but they don't mm -hmm. know that's his daughter. That's so he his got daughter. the dolls and everything. And I seen you, you know, doing the voice of one of the characters. Yeah. I was like, that's beautiful right there. You Thank know, he you. went he went and got one of the queens to come on and do handle the show for him. Thank you. Thank you. You're I'm welcome. I'm honored to be there. I am. He's he's got a beautiful heart and that was a lot of hard work. You know, Chris told me how many years, almost 15 years it took to try to get that off the ground. So I'm really, really proud of him. And we hear that story more and more. You know, people say, well, don't you want to act? Or don't you want to do this? And why don't you just do that? And so you can like snap your fingers and manifest it. It's a, it's a journey. And gratefully, because of the variety of platforms, you're seeing more and more of us do what has always been in our hearts and spirits to do. And we're grateful for the opportunity. You know, when, when Viola Davis tells you it took seven years to get the woman king made, mm. Mm. do you know what I'm saying? Uh, my first TV series that I created, it took five years to get that created. I'm working on producing a new one now. Um, we just got to hang in there. All of us hang in there. So, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, brother. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry brother. No, no, I was just going to talk because you, you know, you had asked a question about what she was doing. And, uh, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I don't bring it up because, you know, it was one of my childhood TV shows, you know, A Different World. And, mm -hmm. you know, your character was was a unique one because I don't know if a lot of people really ever paid attention. One, for one, you were very, one of the few characters that actually was there from beginning to end. Two, um, your character was that, like, it wasn't the typical, like, I just graduated high school, so I'm here in college now. It was like, your character was that, like, of an older woman that was in college. And it was like, you were almost like, um, like a, almost like a mother figure to the younger ones. So, like, my question is, like, how did, how did you get onto that show? How did that start? How was that process? And, like, how did they figure out, like, that's the character they wanted for you? Um... That's a that's a compound question with a lot of uh, it was doing the show. I, I'm so honored to have been uh, to be a part of that legacy and that journey that this 37 years now, you know, goes on to in, inspire people, to empower people, to help people see themselves, because on that show, there was something for everybody. However young you were, however mm -hmm. old you were, you had Mr. Gaines, you had Colonel Taylor. You had this shade of brown, that shade of brown, this economic standing, this cultural standing. I mean, there was there was somebody for everyone on, on that show. It was a little odd for me because they had me playing the older person going back to school mm -hmm. when I was actually younger than a good number of people in the cast. I was just taller than everybody, but okay, whatever. But you mentioned the tap dance kid earlier. That was part of how I ended up on a different world because the same people that cast the tap dance kid, the Broadway show that I was doing also cast the Cosby show. So I was out on tour when I heard they were gonna do the spinoff of the Cosby show. And I called the casting directors and begged them for three months to please let me audition. And they said, no, they said, we are very happy with what you're doing on the road. You mm -hmm. stay right where you, where you are. And thank you. No, thank you. You just stay where you, where you are. Uh, the tour ended. They still hadn't cast the show. And uh, I kept calling. I was down to my last unemployment check. They were still telling me no. So out of the blue, it was a Wednesday. I got a call uh, asking me, are you still interested in auditioning for the show? I said, absolutely. They said, can you come in tomorrow? I said, absolutely. Not even an hour after they called, the musical director from the Cosby show called me. He had a copy of my demo tape. Uh, my single that I had out of my singing and my songwriting. And uh, a friend of mine used to work at the Cosby show and she had given him my demo tape. He'd had it for more than a year before he ever called the phone number on the, and for some of you who don't know what a demo tape, it was a cassette. And I dare <laughs> one of y'all to put in the chat, what's a cassette, Miss Dawn? I will jump in this camera and stab you in the neck. No, it was a cassette, honey. And we had my phone number written on it. And I won't be writing my phone number on anything and handing it out anymore. But yeah. So he called me up and said, would you be interested in working with me on the theme song for this new show? And that just doesn't happen. So I called the casting director back and said, did you just call me? 
because now I thought it was one of my friends playing a joke on me because they knew I didn't have any money and I didn't have a job. Uh, so they said, no, we called you. Is it a problem? I said, absolutely not. I will be there tomorrow. A few hours later, a messenger came to my house with a cassette of the music that the musical director was thinking of. He told me, this is the concept of the show. Lisa Bonet goes off to college, you know, empowerment, all of that. And uh, he said, I'll see you in the studio Friday. I said, well, don't you want to meet before then to see what I come up with? He says, no, if you're the same person singing and who wrote this thing, I think you can do what I need done. I'll see you at this address on Friday, be ready. Um, so I sat down and I basically wrote my experience. My parents had been divorced since I was about seven. Uh, but I, like I said, my mom was very instrumental in speaking positivity into the lives of my brothers and I in New York City. Like I said, I was singing professionally, dancing professionally at a very early age and graduated high school. I went to high school in music and art, fame, fame. And that was when it was up in Harlem on 135th and Convent. So I'm 16, yeah. I graduate and decide I wanna go to college and decide I need to get out of New York City or I'm not gonna go to school. I'm just gonna keep working. So I get out of New York and at 16, I leave home and everyone is terrified. Everyone is freaking out. Like you're gonna go down there, you're gonna get pregnant, you're gonna get turned around, you're, you're too young to be on your own. Uh, but at the same wow. time, yeah. But <laughs> at, no, seriously. Wow, what's the confidence? Would you let your daughter out of the house to go across the country at- Can't leave till she's 35. Nah. <laughs> so, you know, on the, on the one hand, they were all afraid, but on the other hand, all of the lessons, all those things that are in your ear from your parents that annoy the hell out of you as a, as a teenager growing up, you're there on your own and you find yourself replaying that tape of this is what you need to do to be responsible. Do your homework, get up on time, clean your room, this and that. Be careful with your money. Don't be, you know, reckless, make good choices, have good, all of those things. That was my soundtrack as I was going through school. And it's, you know, it was a different world. It was nothing like I had been accustomed to, you know, regardless of how brave I thought I was and how focused I thought I was, you, I jumped into really deep water. And it was those life lessons, those parent lessons, those adults, those my teachers, my counselors, my neighbors, you know, depositing wisdom into me that helped me guide my steps. And that's what I wrote in, in the theme song. And uh, the fact that it still is sung today, that people mm -hmm. still care about those lyrics, just very few places, places I can go where people don't know all of the lyrics and will start singing it to you in a, in a heartbeat. That blesses me more than I can, I'm ready to cry. That blesses me more than I can express because I know what those words meant to me as telling my story and honoring my mom and my grandmother, but just even the opportunity to be a part of something that has inspired so many lives and changed my life uh, because I was able to get a contract by these attorneys who represented me even though I was a young kid, just out of college. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I shouldn't be doing it by myself. And I knew I couldn't afford them, but they were impressed by the fact that I wanted to handle my business, going back to that. Yes, I was grateful for the opportunity. I was excited about the opportunity, but I was like, okay, for these people, it's a business. So let me go in like, you know, I'm ready to handle business too. And they said, we wanna represent you and will not charge you a dime. Mm -hmm. They said, all we ask is that when you get an opportunity that you be willing to help someone else, that you pay it forward. And I'd never heard that term before, but what it meant was be willing to share the blessing, be willing to let the blessing get through you to someone else. And for all the money that that theme song has made for me, they would never take a penny. Um, they passed away a number of years ago, but I sat there in their office and, and I cried. And less than a week later, I was sitting in the office with Mr. Cosby, with the casting directors and with Tom Warner of Carsey Warner who produced our show. And he had the final say over whether or not I was gonna be Jalisa. And um, okay. 
I'm sitting there in the room and they said, well, before we get in into dawn, Bill, what do you think of the song? And he's like, oh man, I love the song. The lyrics are perfect. The girl's voice is amazing. It's great. It's perfect. And I'm sitting there like, so I literally raised my hand and they said, what is it, Dawn? I said, I just want to say thank you. They said, for what? I said, I'm the girl. I'm who you're talking about. That's me. So then I realized until that moment, they had no idea that I was the same person that they were casting to be in the show as the one that they had just hired to write the theme song for the show. That's God, grace of God. Amen. Like that song, like you said, that song did so much for the culture. The show did so much for the culture. It made it actually made going to college a cool thing mm -hmm. for, for, for kids my age and stuff like that. Yeah. We're, we're very appreciative of that. And I don't know what happened to my co-host, but Black, come back, come back. <laughs> but um, also a question was asked: uh, Do you ever plan on getting into directing? Uh, I do direct and I do choreograph. Um, that's one of the other things that I do. Um, none of the projects that I have worked on have hit it to where national recognition or anything. But yes, that is something that I do do, and and I produce as well, and I arrange and produce music. Uh, for different movies and um, different soundtracks for TV shows that I've been on for different recording artists. You know, you look on the backs of certain, well, it used to be labels, album jackets, when, mm. when you would see and read the um, credits, you would often see my name or my initial D. Lewis as one of the co-writers or producers or pro performers on different projects. Mm -hmm. He's back. I'm good. You know what it is? Um, I'm, it's, I guess, because I'm using the five, you know, a new program, you know, try to be fancy tonight, because usually I just come in and just go. So I guess it's just it's acting up tonight. So I apologize to you, you know. It's all right. I, I heard, you know, it's crazy. I heard everything you were saying. Uh-huh. It's just like, and it just went, and I got right back on. So I might, y'all might not see go. me, but I heard everything. There you go. Okay. You have any more questions for Black? Yes, I do. Um, You know, when it comes to movies, a lot of people be like, oh my God, you know, she's an I, I'm gonna get you sucker, right? <laughs> They'll bring that up. And I'm not gonna lie, you have one of my favorite scenes in that, because you got the whole thing <laughs> with the whole cramp scene. And honestly, that scene is stuck in my head because, you know, especially we have women that go through minstrels. Mm -hmm. I think of that scene, and you don't bother them. But my favorite movie, my favorite movie of you, and a lot of people don't talk about this movie, it was a great casting, was Cherokee Kid. Oh, that was so much fun. That was so much fun. And working with Sinbad, one of my dearest <laughs> friends on the planet, I love him dearly. That was so much. That was really a lot of fun. I was actually disappointed that I didn't get to actually ride horses. But I did have to go to stagecoach wrangling school where I had to learn how to actually drive the um, stagecoach and hip shoot rifles and chew tobacco, actually, and smoke oh. smoke cigars. I'm not a smoker. One, one of my favorite scenes, <laughs> and this scene is stuck I in my head too. Yes, when he's getting on Sinbad character by him being the virgin, and you standing there with the rock, twirling it back and forth, and just looking at up and down, you start messing them, then you punch them, and you gave them a gut punch or a liver punch, and you know, next thing you know, and he's a man. Oh, he's like, oh, he's like, get off me, woman! What are you doing? No, no. After that, one of my favorite scenes of all time, and I also found out your character, Stagecoach Mary, was based on a true person. Just about everybody in that movie was based on a real per person, and the yes, Cherokee that. kid was a real person. Yes. And I seen, I was like, wow, I'm like, perfect cast, great. And it, they turned it, even though it was like a comedy movie, mm -hmm. these people was actually real people during them times. That's right. That's right. We sure were. We sure were. That's funny. That was a lot yeah. of fun. I'm going to get get you sucker was a lot of fun, too. Oh, yeah, because you, you were, look at the guys, look at the people's work. You were Kadeem Hardison, who was your co-host on Different mm -hmm. World. You had mm -hmm. Damon Wayans. 
who wasn't Damon yet Wayans when he was coming all up. Of them. All the Wayans. All, yeah, them. all, them. all them Wayans was in the movie. Every last Wayans was in the movie. And if they weren't in the movie, they were working behind the set. They, all of yes, them. Yes, you are correct. Yes, because Sean, even Sean and Marlon. Was Sean, Marlon was in it. Keenan was a star. Kim was in it. Kim was the nightclub singer that was, you know, uh, hopping yeah. around and <laughs> rolling on the floor, kick, kicking his, yes. Okay. All of them were, I'm telling you, all of them even, were in it. Even even the great Antonio Ferguson. Fargus. Fargus, yeah. Antonio say, Fargus. I'll, I'll say Fargus. Antonio yeah. Fargus, not Ferguson. Why Huggy Ferguson Bear from Starsky. Huggy yes. Bear, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Isaac Hayes. Everybody was in it. Bernie Casey was in it. It was amazing. That was where you met D-Nice. That was mm, where I yeah. met D-Nice. Right. And KRS-One. Yes. D How and was I that behind been, the scenes? Oh, yes, I was going to ask that. D and I became fast friends after that. He became like my little brother. And uh, I helped D when he got his first apartment, like a bed and all of that in his apartment. When he released his first solo album, they called me D Nice. I'm singing on it on his first nice. solo album. Right. Uh, and look at him now. Talk about blessing overflowing. Just doing what you love to do. I'm telling you, anybody who's out there listening, who would have known him just being himself, doing what mattered to him to get through a difficult period, turned out to be a worldwide phenomenon. And he's got contracts of the yin yang. I mean, just, just amazing. Just a blessing. Just a blessing. Yes, and one of the yes. nicest guys you will ever meet. Like I, I like I wish we had behind the scenes footage of those two movies. Like I'm quite sure it was way more funnier than we actually seen on camera. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna tell you one little story. Um, <laughs> that night where we shoot the the cramps thing, where I'd spin my head and my hair goes wild and my eyes go crazy. Okay, I had to wear contact lenses for that, right? Um, to make my eyes look crazy. I don't wear glasses. I don't wear lenses. So they had these things, put them in my eyes and my eyes wouldn't stop watering for maybe 20 minutes. Mm. Uh, oh, I, couldn't get, I couldn't get used to them. So Keenan came and got me and said, okay, Dawn, we gotta get this shot. We get, but I couldn't see anything. So he said, come on, I'll walk you to the set. He thought it was really funny to start walking me into stuff. I'm like, I'm oh. bumping into balls. I was like, if he's thinking it's hilarious. I was like, this is, that's not funny. Keenan, that's not that's kind of mean. It's like he thought it was hilarious. Everybody thought it was hilarious. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then they wonder, okay, so what did they do to your voice to make your voice do that? I said, no, I did that. That was me, one of my crazy voices that I came up with. And to this one day- the funniest scenes of all time, because the way you had Damon screaming, <laughs> man. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was a lot of fun. And for anyone who was curious out there, let me answer the question. No, I do not still have cramps. You don't have to. <laughs> Are you still having cramps? No. That, no. I was, it, was, it was a movie 34 years ago. Oh, no, not, it's not still having cramps. There you go, guys. Wow. You got a you got a relaxation hour with podcast exclusive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, tonight oh. was a very much pleasure. Like, yes, I said, thank once again, you. are thank we done you. already? Yeah. Yes, we're done already. Wow, thank you, guys. No, thank you. We want to thank you. Thank you very much for being our guest tonight. We are that de de greatly appreciative, humbled for this experience. I really appreciate it as well. Thank you. If I could just give one plug, anybody who's out there for the A New Day Foundation, yes. please come out online. Our website is www.anewdayfoundation.net. Uh, everything that we do, all of our youth programs, we have a conference coming up in June. Uh, every year we held it on a different college campus and our workshops focus on financial literacy and technology because we want our young people to be competitive in the world market, to have an understanding of finances, how you can get to and through college without ending up in extreme debt and how to turn those ideas. Some of the things that we've been talking about here during this show, take your ideas, 
infuse the aspects of technology and turn them into successful businesses for yourself so that the things you're studying in school don't become obsolete by the time that you graduate. Uh, we give out anywhere from six to 12 scholarships of $2,000 each and a brand new computer. And the conference is gonna be in Los Angeles, June 10th. So if you're gonna be in the Los Angeles area, please send us an email, info, I-N-F-O, at a anewdayfoundation.net, and we will send you the information on how to register to participate in the conference, because you do have to register. There's no just walk-ups. You have to pre-register, because everything we do, we do free of charge, which means we have to make sure we raise the sufficient funds, make sure we have enough workshop materials, meals, everything you're going to need to participate for the day. So if you can't attend, please consider supporting us because every dollar we receive, $5, 550,000, whatever it is, all of it goes to fund all of our programs so that our participants, all you have to do is show up and we hope that we're a part of your blessing, your new day of opportunity towards you being your best self. So check us out, the A New Day Foundation. And there it is, y'all heard her. Absolutely. That's all we need. That's all she said. She finished it off with that. So thank once again, thank you, Dr. Don Lewis. We appreciate thank you. Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Anything thank you want to say, Flacco, before we close out? Um, definitely. Like, no, I'm just like I said, I'm just flattered, flattered that you know you came, you here. Like my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm, I'm much flattered. success to you guys and the thank relaxation hour. Oh, much success. Much thank success. You. Thank you. If I much. think of something else to talk about, can I come come back? Absolutely. Awesome. Come back anytime you want. Awesome. <laughs> yes, of course. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. All righty. All right, everybody, God bless. have a good night. Same to you. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night, everybody.